Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Bringing home a second baby can be a challenging enough thought. But what if you're bringing home an Irish twin. Irish twins being children born within 12 months of each other. Hell, even bringing home a baby when you have another child under two can be terrifying. To help calm the farm, we're joined by Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue to talk us through some strategies. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Let's start at the very beginning. Is there anything you can do before you've given birth. So you've got your little one. Is there anything you can set up in the home to make the transition back easier? Okay, so I think the thing that I'd start talking about is well, what do I actually need to survive that first six months of having two little ones? And, and I think we can really define that for two little ones under the age of 18 months. So obviously when they're under 12 months, you have two babies but under 18 months where they're just moving into those toddler sort of standing, walking type events, we've got things to think about with that as well. So the first thing is not to panic. <laughs> yes. You might cry a little, but not to panic. The second thing is I'm getting organized in my head. So for the first six months of the pregnancy, there's probably no different from your first pregnancy and you don't have to change anything. Then I'm starting to think about the practicalities. So at this point, I'd be thinking a twin pram. You can't do it with one pram, obviously. Um, you might get away with one pram and a, and a sling for a very short period of time. But really, you know, children sit in prams till they're two, two and a half. So do you upgrade, do you sell your single and upgrade to a double that's going to make you mobile with two children. Second thing is car seats. So do I need to move one child up in a car seat? Where do they fit in the car seats? So depending on what state you're in, you know, going by your legislation on child seats, making sure that's ready by about 36 weeks. So I'm ready mentally by 36 weeks. You're going to need two cots. So you can't get away with a bassinet and a cot and then put in maybe an 18-month-old in a bed. That 18-month-old will just walk around. So we're getting two cots. So we're doing all that sort of physical part Do of it. Do you need a bassinet as well? Because if you're getting a cot, can you... you it depends on the cot? space, I suppose, in your okay. house because sometimes you can get a really... You can get quite large bassinets now and that could last really up to six months. So you might be able to do that before you have to squeeze two... Um, cots into one room if you've only got two rooms and then you, you might be thinking something along the lines of um, how do I put them into, how do I put two little ones in a room together which could be a later um, discussion. <laughs> how do you slide them in together? So I'm thinking about the practical stuff. Now towards the end of the pregnancy I have to think about it in an even bigger practical sense. So what is my support going to be for those early weeks of bringing a new baby home? So how much time does my partner have off? Don't let it overlap with maybe some help from your parents or your parenting laws or your friends or whoever's nominating that they're going to help you. You need to work out what is that help actually going to look like because I need help. 
And if you're in a situation where you might have no help, no family support around, and your partner might only be having the, you know, two weeks off that they have, I would be taking that two weeks from when you get home from hospital um, because then you've got an extra two weeks once you've got home. If he takes a week off while you're in hospital, you've only got a week of help before they need to go back to work. If you have no other support around you and you're thinking that maybe you'd like to get someone in to help you, you know, like an afternoon nanny, something like that, I would get them in the afternoon because it's going to be most chaotic in that afternoon period. So if you can only afford a couple of hours a week, I'd be getting them from 2 o'clock through to about 6, 6.30. You could probably manage the morning, but, you know, two cranky babies at the end of the day is pretty tough work. So then I'm thinking that I'd need that for about the first six months because I've got a, a really small baby and a toddler. So I'm starting to think, where's my support coming in? So I'm quite organised. I'm more Mm. organised than, say, parents who um, are having twins because they're just having two babies at the same time. Yeah. Whereas you've actually got a baby and a little toddler. Mm, Which is a – before we go on, um, can we go back just a step where you were talking about um, the cots? Because I know how you sleep the babies is probably a big question for many people. If you have um, two bedrooms and you have a toddler in one room, um, do you – I know that – Red Nose Australia, the recommendation is six months to a year in the room with you. Yep. What's your take on the age range of babies and a 18-month-old or, or yep. around that? Do you say keep them in with you longer or do you say move them as soon as you can in with the other child? Or I think what I tend to say to parents is practically, so we know our Red Nose you know, legislation and we follow the safe sleep procedure. But sometimes we can't actually physically fit a cot in a room. And so we need to take that into consideration. So I would swap out a small bassinet for a much bigger bassinet so that I could keep that second baby in my room for a little bit longer because your first baby is a baby. So if you put them in together too soon, they'll wake each other up. Okay. So I'm thinking that maybe if you're having a baby and you've got a 13-month-old at home, If you give that 13-month-old to 18 months where their sleep is much more consistent, by the time you put the second child in, then you're going to have more consistency with night sleep because your second child will be sleeping better. So if I bought a bigger cot, a bigger bassinet... Then, and my baby stayed with me in my room till it was more five, six months old, then my toddler is going to be sleeping better. So to put them in together would probably be more cohesive to a calmer household at night. Oh, I love the way you say that. <laughs> um, and so is there any reason why you wouldn't put a newborn in a cot? Like, is there, no. are there any safety? So if no. you could fit a cot, you may as well invest in the cot that you're going to keep. Yeah, Yeah, long term. When you move them into the other room. In the winter, they're probably a little cooler, so you'd have to think about, you know, keeping the room warmer because Mm. there's just much more space around a tiny baby. So if if your babies are three kilos and you put them in a cot, sometimes they look minute in the cot. Yes, tiny. But really in the winter months, you're just really thinking about the warmth at -hmm. that point to keep them. But other than that, if you can fit a cot, and you can get small cots now. You can get some great little cots that really do work really effectively. And in theory, by the time he needs a bigger, he or she needs a bigger cot, your then other one the, might be in a bed. Yeah, that's okay. right, depending on where this the age, age group sits. So mm. the very last thing I think about is, you know, 
in those early weeks of bringing a new baby home, you do all that concentrated feeding, no matter how you feed the baby. It's every couple of hours. So I'd look at your lounge room or your space where you mainly are in the day, and I'd make it safe to have a toddler in there because they're often just moving around while you're feeding. So, you know, if I've got a little box of toys in there, have I got a, a gate to block off an area so I can visually see him all the time while I'm feeding? Because otherwise you get this interrupted feed pattern with your second baby and that becomes a bigger problem down the track. So I'm looking around my house and going, okay, here's a safe lounge room. We're going to put ourselves here sort of for six months. I've got a safe area over there for a new baby, but I've got a toddler over here or a toddler area over here so that when I'm feeding he's in a safe calm quiet environment I know when I brought Arlo home one of the things one of the great tips you had for Darcy who was two and a half so yeah. older at that point was to have that little, little box. box but to have a few surprises in yeah. it that would keep her engaged yeah two and a half very different to 18 months Can 18 months have old the same yeah, but 18-month-old is much easier. They're happy with the Tupperware set. So okay. I just go to the kitchen, pull the Tupperware out, put it in a box and say, look what mummy's got here. Mm. And then they'll just bang Tupperware for the next half an hour while you feed. <laughs> Whereas Sorry. a two-and-a-half-year-old wants more the surprise and yes. what are we going to do? Whereas the 18-month-old, 15-month-old, 13-month-old just physically wants you in the room. Yep. So I think, you know, if they were a little bit older, you might even put a little kitchen there so you can engage them in play while you're feeding. Kitchen's such a great idea. I know, and you just keep saying, make me a cup of tea, bring me an apple, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you're feeding in that time. And the beauty of the young children together, although it's a lot of work, is you've sort of got two babies together. So their needs are the same. Mm. Whereas sometimes when you have that two-and-a-half-year-old gap, you know, your two-and-a-half-year-old wants to be out playing and you've got a little baby at home. So for those who are having this experience, sometimes it's it's hard physically work for you, but it's easier in that you're just at home and you're just going through the space. And you, you sort of think in six months. Mm-hmm. I just need to get through six months. And then, and then I'm going to be in a better place at six months. Mm. Um, now, again, yeah. my daughter was older when I had my son and – and at that age, you advise to, in simple ways, yeah. help the child understand that a baby's coming home, there are picture books, yeah. etc. Is there any point to trying to explain it to an 18-month-old? No. But or younger, you know, around that yeah, age. Yeah, so 18 months and younger. I don't think we should sit down with a conversation about here's the baby and this is where the baby's kind of come from. But I do a lot more visuals. So, you know, towards the end of the pregnancy, I visually put something in your room and we just use the language. So that's where the new baby will sleep. Okay, because they take in so much more than their language gives back and depending on their language development. So I use visual things. So I might put a change table in the lounge room. You know, so that there's a visual thing that says things are changing. Before that baby's due very early, I even just take him past the hospital, stop outside the hospital and say, that's where mummy needs to go to have a baby. Now, how much they take in, I don't know, but I think they're quite wise on their visual stimulation. Um, it's really important that week you're in hospital that their little routine stays the same. So being at the hospital at 6 o'clock at night isn't a good thing. Dad needs to be home to do the dinner bath bed routine so that the that that toddler feels like, okay, this is okay, things are sort of normal, even though mummy seems to be holding somebody somebody else. 
this seems to be normal to so me. So they're unlikely, you know, the older kids can sometimes regress. Yeah. They can react. Unlikely in children under that age group. Okay. Under that 15 months. Over 15 months they might get agitated, but under 15 months they're looking for normality. And so grandparents coming in and keeping the consistency in the routine is a really good one because the under 15-month-old, is they don't care who does it. They just care that somebody does it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is probably quite challenging for parents is day sleeps. Oh, yeah. Um, because they're going to be on, well, Different. particularly at the yeah. very beginning. I think this is the hardest bit about two children, say, under 15 months, is that it will feel like all day you've got a child in bed. And how do you make that balance play out? And I think you really need to think about this individually in each family because if we keep a little toddler's day routine going, so say they do play group and then they do some sort of gym class and then they go to daycare two days a week and nothing moves for them, then this little baby could become quite chaotic in behaviour. So we've got to get a balance right. So daycare, sure, you know, needs to be dropped off and picked up and that's great help if they're in daycare. But sometimes we just have to put the social side on the back burner for a little bit until you get your feet and feel comfortable with two children. So it is okay not to do things for a term. And I don't think parents understand that. I think they have to, they think that everything has to stay the same for the older child and nothing changes, but it has to change. We have a new baby. So the joy of it being under 15 months is 15 month olds don't care as long as they're being played with. They didn't care that they didn't go to play group. They just care that people played with them. Mm. And I think we forget the simplicity of that young child and we get hooked into the we need to do thing. But mm. actually, he'll be really happy with a bucket outside just unloading water with a spoon. <laughs> unloading, unloading, oh, unloading so in true. a safe environment. They're so happy. A paintbrush and a tiny bit of water in a cup, they'll paint that window forever. <laughs> well, there's a few tips already. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, you've mentioned things like the um, twin pram yep. and uh, a bigger bassinet or yeah. even a cot. A cot. Are there any other pieces of equipment that will help? I know it's very frowned upon, but the leashes that they have? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, leashes are fine. Safety is the main thing, but I think we're talking about an older child. So we're talking more in the two to two and a half year old. And safety is my main thing. So if that means that you've got to have some sort of length of rein on that child, then I think that's a very practical thing. I don't want to see a two two-year-old running down the hallway or running down the street and being knocked over by a car because they do not have any common sense. So if we haven't got that twin stroll and we're just trying to get from point A to the playground with, that's gated, then I think, you know, putting a simple rein on their wrist and one on your wrist keeps them within safety. And that is more important than whether somebody thinks that's a right thing or a wrong thing. Mm. And what about anything else? Like I know I found with my second, the bouncer was just a oh, godsend. Yeah. The baby you, bouncer. Baby bouncers, yeah. just, just for short moments. Oh, absolutely. Putting them down in a safe space. My co- most common one is to put a porta cot up in the lounge room. Yeah. Because when you've got toddlers, they don't know their own strength and they trip over their you know feet and fall over. So sometimes I get the porta cot out that you might have had for your first, put it in the corner and make that the play area for the new baby because it's safer 
than a toddler tripping over their toes. Oh, yeah, that's a good And point. if you have to rush off to the bathroom or you get distracted, you can pop them down in that porticot and they're playing in there and you know that for that two, three minutes that you're doing something, that that room is safe. Yeah. Oh, that's great points. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming and chatting about that. It's always a pleasure. That's Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue, and you can catch her wonderful advice every Monday on Helpline. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.